And we're live. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. My name is Ian. You're listening to the third episode of the Lingaholics podcast. Glad you're listening in from whichever pod catcher or maybe I'm catching us on the YouTubes. Um, that's me to start off the show. Um, doing some Mr. Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, Espanol, Ingles, Miami, Cuba. Um, yeah, because we are all pumped. Um, it's been one hell of a weekend. It's been awesome. So sticking with the worldwide on the worldwide webs this weekend, the 2020 Polyglot Gathering went down and it was just incredible. Um, maybe some listeners have been to the live event, lots of people. It was the first time. So this episode for Lingaholics podcast, I want to dive in deep and who better to do it with than my fellow podcasters and my fellow participants at this weekend's Polyglot Gathering online. So primero hoy vamos a let's go to uh, mon ami Mac, uh, Marcos Kaskis Pass. What's going on, folks? What's going on, folks? So I want to go ahead and say that during the last podcast, I said that I wasn't going to participate in this thing. I was like, I'm not going to stay up all night to, to, to watch all these talks. I'm not doing this. But I got really excited the day before the day before the conference started. I got really excited. So I ended up paying the, the, the late fee to register. It's 40 euros or whatever. Not a big deal. But I got really excited about it. And so I, I, I participated 100%. I, I, um, I've been staying up all night. Um, got up early? Yeah, got up pretty early. We're on, <laughs> really a pretty, early. we're on a pretty interesting sleeping schedule here, Ian and I, right now. Uh, Cody has been playing at softball, which is not a big deal. That's fine. But Cody I got to say, say, folks, um, these polyglot conferences are really, really interesting. And boy, oh, boy, can I imagine how fun it is to participate in person. That's got to be yeah, so man. fun. So with that being said, I had a really good time. I was, I was very impressed by a lot of the talks, a lot of that. We had some pretty good hangout sessions, some oh, pretty good hangout sessions hours. on Zoom. The yeah, hours. the after hours, man. That was pretty good. I, I got to say I really enjoyed it. Um, so I guess with that being said, I'm going to throw it over to Cody. What do you think, bud? Yeah, I had a, I had a great time for the for the hours that were that were reasonable so <laughs> like these guys mentioned they were they were up at the stupid hours of the morning uh attending all these all these talks and and stuff like that and i i was i was excited about this but i wasn't so excited that i was willing to completely like screw up my sleep schedule <laughs> but uh yeah i had a i had a really good time at all the 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 talks and the chat rooms that we had uh, after the talks ended. So, uh, yeah, solid weekend overall for sure. Dude, it's not like you really missed anything because the way they did it this year on the platform, they're all recorded. You can watch it on the site till the end of June. Yeah, so you so, guys are just crazy. Yeah, but you know what I was thinking? <laughs> we were just wanted to be there live. <laughs> yes, exactly. You wanted to have that live feeling, right? You yes, wanted to yeah, feel like you were experiencing this with everybody else. And one of the right. cool things that I really appreciated, one of the details is that you could see how many participants mm. were in mm -hmm. each group. 
or were Correct. at each presentation. Yeah. And then they had like the chat as well, which was, oh, which was really cool. Yeah, below the chat. Uh-huh. So so that was really cool. So people were like, I remember this morning at 2 or at 3 a.m., uh, a bunch of people in, in North America were like, hey, who's up here from North America? Who's, who's <laughs> yes. in- <laughs> 2 a.m., yes. let's go. <laughs> who's here from the Pacific time zone? And then some person yeah. from Nanaimo, British Columbia, some person from Oregon, shout out. Oh, yeah. uh, shout I was out like, Oregon. yeah, Alberta's here. <laughs> <Hanging out. laughs> Represent. <laughs> Represent. So that was so really cool. We should probably mention why uh, it was at stupid hours of the morning for us. And that's because uh, the polyglot gathering was supposed to occur this year in Poland. Is that right? Correct. I'm still saying it wrong. Terrasin? That's not right. It's, I don't know how to say it. Warsaw. And yeah, this year was, it was kind of, it was a unique location too, from my understanding. It was kind of like a retreat-ish type of location. I have to talk to some friends that were actually planning physically to go, but they didn't end up going, obviously. Um, but yeah, so it was still based in Europe, like the time zone. And I actually, I using that, that UTC time zone. Which is weird, by the way. Right, you got to do a bit of math because like, okay, no, Poland's no, but I'm, I, eight so hours ahead. When you do international time like that, you usually do GMT, Greenwich Mean Time, right? The UTC to me was I, weird. Okay, it made sense to say we're like UTC minus six here in Berta. Yeah, but I always say that we're in GMT minus seven here. That's um, usually like what I, I don't know. It's like languages, man, changing it up a little. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, that's why it was based on European time. Because I still believe most of the presenters and most of the participants are European, right? So, so really for us, it was those like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. were like the extreme hours. Because you can get up still, 6 a.m., watch stuff. But, yeah, man, we went out, talk about, Marcus, do you want to talk about your sleep pattern? You've sure, man, sure, because man. Because of so, this? So, so this wasn't happening until you did this? So uh, we've been partaking in intermittent sleeping for the past <laughs> 48 hours, <laughs> uh, more commonly referred to as polyphasic. Polyphasic? Polyphasic polyphasic sleeping patterns so i've slept (laughs) over the past 48 hours i've slept 12 hours okay uh in two hour intervals so i've been sleeping two hours then i've been up for a little bit and then i then i sleep another two hours and then i'm up a little bit and then i sleep another two hours so for the past 24 hours i slept six hours and i gotta say i gotta say guys i feel remarkably well i feel great like I'm productive as well. Like I woke up, I went to bed at 2, 2 PM today, woke up at four, got uh-huh. up. I wrote an entire research proposal. Granted, only like one, one to two pages, but still I read through and I was like, wow, this is pretty good. Like, and, uh, I don't know. I just feel great overall. So this is definitely some, this is not sustainable. I'm not gonna, I'm probably gonna get a good <laughs> night's sleep today. I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably gonna get a good night's sleep, Yeah. but, but so. for sure for the future, if I'm cramming, if I'm trying to get something done, um, I'm definitely going to be considering doing this again because it's productive, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get those extra, like, it's just two hours, right? But then, boom, you can get right back at it, whatever you're doing. That's right. So, but, no, man, before this started, so Friday wasn't too bad. It started at 7 a.m. on Friday for us. Um, so, but Thursday night, like, I think I was texting you guys how, 
Like this is like Christmas. This was like Christmas for me because, yeah, I wasn't able to go into Poland and anything. But now that I was able to do this online, like I was so stoked. Um, I'd been three years ago in Bratislava, and it's like, ah, oh, like I guess I'll get to recapture somewhat of this. So yeah, like Christmas now, all those holidays. It's mainly because I have nieces. Not and, a big deal. <laughs> yeah, they're excited about that stuff. But this now, when you're an adult, you can still kind of like get those glimmers of what you felt like as a kid. I was so excited and I just remember hopping on Friday morning it was the Esperanto talk. I think that was the very first one. Oh boy. Next to you. And then, uh, and then, uh, I think I did an hour of Ukrainian after knocking the rust off of that, off of the old Ukrainian. And then I think the official talks, oh, the opening happened, but, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of Esperanto? How much did you, uh, that's an interesting heard or known about it beforehand? I don't know, Cody, did you watch that one? No. The Esperanto one? So do, do you know okay. the premise? Yeah, I, I know what Esperanto is, um, but I've never I've never dabbled into it. I'm not a, I'm not a dabbler like you guys. <laughs> yeah, we can get into that later. But first of all, what's the origin? Do you know Ian? What's the origin of Esperanto? Oh, okay. Um it was quoted out it was quoted throughout the uh, the founder of the language, Ludwig. Uh it's a Google search away, Ludwig, something or other. Um, if you're a hardcore Esperantist, you know his, his name. He has that famous quote, like the limits, uh, my limits of my knowledge are the limits of my world. It's a big quote. I saw that in like three or four presentations. And so like that first one that they showed, that was the crash course in Esperanto. And so it, it was originally like, oh, there's so many better, better people to explain what it is, but just at, an idealistic international language. It was never anybody giving up their mother tongue or any other tongues. It was just, it would be a second language for all. And it was a big earlier in the 20th century. And that it was, that was a really big idealistic goal. And okay, obviously that didn't come to pass in the 20th century, but it still has this spawn, this very, very unique community that I keep uh, re-encountering every time I go to these events. Uh, so, so I'm going to pause you there for a Ian, yeah, I'm going to yeah. pause you there real quick. So just some fact checking, because I actually pulled this up. So okay. it was actually from, Esperanto was actually created in the 19th century. Sorry, it goes back, sorry. Is that 1887. Correct. It's, okay. it's, it it's, considered, it's considered a constructed international yeah, a auxiliary language. It's an auxiliary. auxiliary. Language. So that's what yeah, I mean that, by nobody giving, up, nobody giving up your mother tongue. And, like Esperanto's and it was you. created by a Polish guy called L.L. Zamenhof. Ludwig Zamenhof. I think, I think one of those L's is Ludwig, if I'm right. correct. Anyways, but, so, so do you, do you want to just go, go through how the language is structured and organized? I, I, even, I don't know a ton about that, still, to be honest. Like, like, what did you pick up from the fact? I'm more interested in the community of it, like the social oh, aspect. No, I thought it was I interesting say. how the technicalities of it. So, so uh -huh. I didn't really, I can't, I don't know if I can explain it now in the pod, but it's basically, Just give some, like, yeah, so you, you have an object that's not, that's not necessarily related to a verb or a noun or anything. It's just like an object. So for example, um, person or person is a noun, uh -huh. I guess, but then you can yeah. add different uh, suffixes and prefix prefixes to change uh -huh. the wording or change the meaning of that word. So for example, 
if you add, um, let's see, I think it's like, it's one of these, ig, ig, or il, to, to san. So san means health, right? Health. Mm-hmm. That's S-A-N, yeah. san. And then if you uh, add like one. Sante, of, right? Like, yes, yes, sante. See, see, see. So it's always, it's related to these romantic, romantic, romantic yeah. languages? Romance language. Romance oh. languages. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I might be totally out to lunch on this, but I read somewhere that Esperanto is supposed to be like a hybrid between English, French, and Spanish. I think, uh, no, no, no. I just there's think There's German, a bit of Slavic influences. They but. steal stems from words. So they, they steal, mm-hmm. so, san, so san, for example, that's from sano, right? right? So health, yeah. that means health. health. But then if you add different uh, suffixes to that word, you change the meaning. So medicine would be resanigilo. <laughs> uh-huh. Resanigilo. Resanigilo. And then, um, yeah, uh, there's, there's so many. Right. So you, so that's you, one. Add, you add re and then you add igilo, and that means medicine. So uh, an ob- uh, and, and, and those prefixes mean like object, uh, like object, uh, person, whatever. Like you get it. So yeah, an yeah, object like, that helps your health. To improve, I guess. Correct. That makes yes. sense. So then, even things like um, this is my scant knowledge from the Duolingo course, like vir, man, virino, woman. So just little, adding a little, the ending with that, and then um, something like uh, bona, and then for good, mal bona, bad, grande, granda, mal, mal granda, like very. Like you said, just concise and consistent with the language. Like I think there's very few, if any, irregularities. Like it's definitely something I want to look into. And yes, there's the whole idealistic philosophical side of Esperanto, which okay, that, that is what it is. But I've heard that if you want to introduce people to second language learning, Esperanto, despite maybe someone's never heard of it or thinks it's very interesting or anything, just the, the way it's constructed, like example you just gave that learning i don't know esperanto for two to three weeks before you jump into your first second language might just give you it's easier and it's consistent and logical and then that just it makes it a little easier path to get into other languages it's a theory obviously i never did this before i learned spanish my first second language but i found it was an interesting theory just based on how it being an easier language so i know benny lewis from the fluent in three months uh blog he's he's talked about that before so i don't know what you guys think like that's just one that's so one use of it the proponents of this say that or they 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 say that it's very easy or there or esperanto opens up new doors of or new ways of expressing oneself you can express yourself in ways yeah. that you can't with other other languages right yeah yeah no for sure and it's and and also from a uh, geopolitical point of view a lot of people advocate for for everyone learning this as a second language because it's really easy to learn because the grammar is so incredibly easy. You know what? I would like, I really love the idea of having like an objective international language, but like, I don't see that actually coming to fruition. Right. Like there's whole geopolitical realities and, Mm-hmm. All that, and that, that's why that idealistic side to me is not appealing. To me, I'm interested, you guys think, you know, like, say, to learn this, because there's Esperantists all around the globe. Like, I don't think any continents, like, everywhere you go, you can find Esperantists, and how this community, 
uh, getting in touch with them. It's kind of like a, it can be like a couch surfing network. If you learned it and spoke it, you can get lodgings and meeting people around the globe with it. Like to me, it's still like, yes, not everyone in the world speaking it, whatever, throw that out the window perhaps. But I think just the people that are really into this still, I think that's a cool community around the world. I don't know what you guys think. Like if you learned it, then go travel the world with it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. Plus, Absolutely. I can imagine if you're if you're out traveling and you meet someone that speaks Esperanto, it's like, whoa, hermano, Esperanto. Yeah, so <laughs> it's all about languages. Is all about connecting with people, right? Connecting. That's why we like exactly. it. That's why I like it. So that's, and, that's just another way of doing that. And then specifically, I keep learning the history of these polyglot gathering events too. They actually. Um, Petro, the guy who gave the opening and closing remarks, talked about how these act, these events actually spawned from earlier Esperanto gatherings, so to speak, like Esperanto meetups, like this conference of. By the way, there's a thousand people this weekend, which is that's me. Like that's insane. Wow, it's just soaking up the energy all weekend with it. But yeah, it it you gotta give a doff of the hat. Kudos to es- these Esperantists that have really. These gatherings for them since 2014, the first polyglot gatherings are happening in Berlin. So it's that's fairly recent. Like if you think of just internet age and all this, like how people have been meeting physically and now online forums, sites and sites. There's Langfest, there's Polyglot Conference. Like it's really grown since guys, I've gotten to this. Guys, how humbling is it to be around people that are so much better than you at <laughs> oh dude that's yeah no kidding hey? oh man that's the reason for going like, like we think we're good at this but <laughs> <laughs> no as no way no like in that one in that one talk uh i think it was the neuroscience talk where they, where they said mm. they did that study about 20 polyglots and they were like listing all the languages that all these polyglots spoke and like there's two of them that have like 30 or 40 languages listed i was just like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's insane. But I kind of get I kind of get Richard Simcott. He's like, you know what? I don't I don't care. Like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to put up all the the flags next to my name for all the languages that I speak. Like, this is just I'm just gonna come off as some pretentious douchebag if I do that, well, right? Yeah, no, no. We'll talk about. I have my good friend Josh. That I want you guys met him on Zoom. Um, yeah, I want to bring on the pod. He he does. I can't say i've met really anybody like this they, they're called snobby glots where you're just like oh i speak blah blah blah. yeah you don't want to be like I don't, that I don't, I don't yeah i don't in this community okay maybe here and there like but overall vast majority it's just everyone's just they have that love of languages man whether it's 30 or 40 or the the one you're toiling away on and you're like hour of free time a day and you're just like, Oh, I'm really into this. And then you just see what other people are doing from all ends of the spectrum. So, but yeah, I don't, do you want to get, I like Richard, he's always the big speaker at these events. He's amazing by the way. The Shout out event. to Richard. Amazing Richard, guy. Simcott, and what a communicator, Ooh, honestly, like just the way he speaks, like oh, even yeah, English, man. you know? Well, he's from like yeah. No, but yeah, no, but yeah. the way he speaks English, the he's Correct. such a yeah. storyteller, public speaker. Yes, fantastic. Correct. And it's, I like these like old days stories too. When he's talking about like these blogs, right? Like you think of these communities, any community, right? Like back in the day, like punk forums and whatever your thing was. <laughs> like for me, at least, um, 
like talking about language forums. Like, what was that even on? Like GeoCities back in. You guys remember GeoCities? Are you guys? Am I that old? That you, I don't you know, know what that Geos? is. No. I remember have a hotel. Dude. <laughs> oh. Okay. There is. I know what that is, but that's that's a while ago, bro. GeoCities and Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves was like pre Google. Was. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I'm I don't know. 30, I'm not that old. 31. Um. But anyways, when he's talking about this, okay, that was like the old forums and uh, like talking to those people and then just how it grew and grew and like the gurus kind of on the forums that you'd go to for advice. And, and then, yeah, how he, how he kind of came full circle with, it was such a big deal to be investigating, oh, when do you exactly speak a language and like all the differing opinions. Which I, and, by the way, don't like to talk about. Okay, but I don't, I, I don't, yeah. I don't like to, I don't like people that are like, oh, what level are you? Like, oh, what do you have? Like, are you B one, B two, whatever? Like, I, I do not like that. So if you're yeah, listening no. to this, <laughs> no, I don't like, care. <laughs> don't tell me what level you are. <laughs> you know what though? I think, I think it's unavoidable though when you're when you're learning languages. Like, it's just simply a question you're gonna get asked. It's this. It's similar to like when you meet anyone new, just anyone. Like, uh-huh. they're going to ask you what you do for work. This yeah, but you know what I say? Or Wait, what do you mean? By work? Like, what do you, just, what do, you like, do for a living? Yeah, like, when you, oh. when you meet someone, like, a, a, an inevitable question that someone's going to ask you is, what do you do for work? No, I mean, like, certificates. Like, language certificates. Like, what level are you? What, how, how well do you speak a language? And I really like what Richard Simcoe said. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to judge myself. I'm going to let the other person judge me and tell me how well I speak this language. Right. And I think that's a, I think that's a nice bar too. Like, let the local tell you. Let yeah. the native speaker. Let the, yeah. let the that's not into all the like, nerdery C1 versus C2. All that stuff. I don't, yeah. And, and then this is what I found fascinating because he, and then, because this is cultural as well. If you want to talk about like, who's that local telling you, right? And Koto, I wanted to bring up you in China, how you said like, if you're in China, and Richard mentioned this in his talk as well, you live in China, like, would that be it? Just get like a sweet uh, boost, be like, ni hao, what's uh, yao, you Is that all we take? That's exactly, the, the way he said it in that talk is exactly how it went almost every single time. <laughs> right. So let's say um, you're going into like a convenience store and you're just going to like, you're going to buy a, a bottle of water or a drink or something. And you walk up to, to go buy it and you just say, ni hao. And then uh-huh. the, what, what Richard said today is exactly the response that they would say every time. They would say, oh, ni, ni zhongwen说的这么好. And that, <laughs> may, that basically means like, oh, wow, like your Chinese is so good. <laughs> right so like little things like that right they'd be like ah oh, cool yeah. and obviously the more you do the more the impressed they'd be right like the low bar of that yeah is that it, cody is that annoying or is it just funny because to me it just sounds funny it honestly for me it depended on the day like yeah. some days i would just think it was hilarious and other days i would be like oh my god like just Come on, people! <laughs> I just said hi. <laughs> like <laughs> my self-esteem isn't that low. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be pumping my tires. <laughs> yeah, I don't like because I would, when I taught ESL in Edmonton, I had lots of Mexican students. And I get invited to the Mexican fiestas, and like 
you just go and you're talking like, oh, you speak Spanish. Sometimes it just comes off as a nice, pleasant surprise to people too. Like it's like for that particular community, I think Latinos are pretty nice in general, but it wasn't even a matter of commenting like how good or like, cause they, oh, like, oh, cool. You speak to a certain level and then you're obviously not native, but we're going to like, as we start talking about things, we can explain things like there's so much like cultural language, like, slang header guy that comes yeah. up yeah you're selling at, like at a mexican party like oh like what's that stuff you'll never learn it in your that's party. what i'm saying you yeah. know and that's why i'm such a big proponent for learning languages um in the field so to speak <laughs> yeah, yeah field, instead of field in, linguist instead of in the classroom because that's the way you actually learn how to use it even though the classroom is required sometimes oh yeah no for sure it's just I think like what Richard's talk is like what why so much focus, why so much obsession on this question when he was just giving like when he turned around giving like I thought it was fascinating. He brought up the one lady who uses her languages in refugee zones as a translator and like using her language for like really critical uh jobs or like a critical task, right? Like so, like, so yeah, or whatever. She's like getting stuff done on the ground, making stuff happen with her language skills. I'm just like, ah, oh, that's that's something being like. So, can you guys relate yeah. to to fluency islands? There's a few metaphors like that. So, like, I, I uh, Richard's talk and Lydia. I can str- I can personally strongly relate to that. Okay. So, way? for example, mm-hmm. yeah, try to try to talk about science and engineering with me in Swedish not gonna happen <laughs> it's gonna be very hard for me okay for example th- does that right. make sense what do, what do you mean signs and so science and engineering i'm oh, science science sci- yeah science and engineering try talking about science and uh-huh. engineering with me in swedish it's not gonna happen <laughs> it's not right. gonna go too well gotcha gotcha but uh-huh. i mean like things as well like sometimes i think i'm so good at spanish like if I'm if I'm talking to someone very colloquially and whatever we're talking about a specific subject that I've talked about before I think I'm really good at Spanish but right. then if we're talking about something completely different I I stumble upon words I can't figure out the right way to say it I mm-hmm. uh, I lose words I just I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of a noob <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah really it's like your domain for sure. That happens in English. Like, like I got buddies, speaking of guys that, like, my buddies up in Fort Mac that they do these crazy sleep shift changes all the time, too. Like, after doing this for one week, I don't know how they do it. But, yeah, when they're talking about some in-depth power engineering thing, in English, I'm just like, I no one no Yeah, but that, that's because you, you don't know <laughs> the jargon. It's not my domain. It's not my that's, jargon. It's that's not because you know that you don't know the jargon. It's because mm-hmm. you don't know the jargon. But even if I knew the jargon right, so in Swedish, it's like I've yeah. ne- I just never done that. I've never talked to anybody about anyone about what I like all these topics and in, in Swedish. Like it'd be really difficult for me to to, to do because I'd have to figure out how to how to construct sentences and arguments in, in a completely other language. Granted, yeah. science is pretty easy to translate because everything is quite literally the same. Right. Right. Super common, right? Yeah, Across super common. Languages. So there's an upside. Yes. 
to it. But you know what? I think for me personally, that's uh, I think it's pretty comfort comforting when uh, you you hear a topic like in your native language, and you hear just you hear people talking, and you have no idea what's happening. And because like that makes you think like, oh, okay, like there's even stuff in my native language that I don't know. So mm -hmm. if you're getting frustrated that you don't know something in your target language, like it, it, it's not as much of a, of a big deal, you know? And another, another um, way I can relate to this is like, it's when, when you're listening to songs too, like if you're listening to a song in your target language, you're like, oh my God, like I don't understand anything. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes mm -hmm. you can go to a song in English and you still won't understand a damn Correct. thing. Correct. <laughs> it's still like flurry. Talking in like ridiculous manners or whatever. So <laughs> for me, that's like kind of uh, comforting to have that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Semcott said, right? Like try explaining nuclear magnetic resonance to someone <laughs> in English. I think I could do exactly. a decent job exactly. at it personally, but... Okay, yeah, sure. Because <laughs> I've actually worked with that type of instrumentation, but whatever. Yo, yeah. guys, so okay. do you guys want to shift gears? Sure, yeah. What are you thinking? You guys remember Lydia's talk? That, dude, I was yeah. just, I was, no one's going to come with me. I was just going to say Lydia's So I'm going, down, I'm going through the program now with all my notes, so that's why I'm, we're at Lydia's dude, talk. That's, yo también. Parlos online listeners, like I have nine pages. I'm like, all right, let's bust out the highlighter before the pod. So what I took away from this talk primarily, so I love the metaphors. The cool thing about language learning is that there's so many yeah. metaphors. There's a lot of analogies, beaches. All the, anal all the analogies, right? So she also had an island metaphor. What's with all these island Correct. metaphors in language learning? Uh, but you remember, Cody, you watched Lydia's talk? Yeah. Yeah, Cody was there. So first of all, Lydia. Who's Lydia? Lydia. Um, she is from Slovakia. She. I met her in Bratislava because she was the main organizer in Bratislava. She was super awesome. Like, there's 500 people at that event. She was like the hostess, right? Going around. Hey guys, how's it going? Like she was on her feet constantly. So that's why I met her in person. And then it's been super cool. She's since then done the did the. Talk. She's spoken other events. She's more and more YouTube coming out, and um, I really like her approach. It's pretty sane. <laughs> to one, she takes on one language every two years, which that's very sane. That's like, I, wish, I wish I was that. I, I wish I. Yeah. Okay, yeah, <laughs> right. She's kind of a big deal. I'm folks. not. She's kind of a big. Yeah, deal. no, it's great. And so she's in this community of polyglot personalities. It's been really cool to see her rise up and. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I've, what I've uh, met her and seen her now on on the YouTubes and the internets. So, and yeah, so what was the name of her talk? Nine practical lessons. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so what do you guys think? Like, what? Well, so really I like. Yeah, keep going. Oh, I just like like how she related to like languages being like chapters of your life. Yeah. I think I took away. Yeah, but I, I really liked, so I like the island metaphor. Okay. Do you guys remember that one? Yes, yeah, let's talk about it, yeah. So, yeah. Cody, do you remember it? Yeah, man. Could you uh, recount it for us? Okay, so basically the idea is um, when you start learning a language, you are on this island in the middle of nowhere. and uh, Cast Castaway. Yeah, just like Castaway. Yeah, yeah you're Tom Hanks. Oh, Wilson. <laughs> So you start uh, swimming away from the island, 
that's when you first start learning the language. And if you, um, like you can, like if you're just starting out and if you just like kind of lay back, you're just going to get dragged back to the island. Like the waves are just going to pull you back, but you'll eventually get to a certain point where you, where you get past the, the, the gravity waves, I guess you could call them that end up pulling you back. The breaks, I guess you can say yeah. the breaks for all yeah. the surfers so you out there. Ball. You got to get over the breaks. Mm -hmm. So you get to a point where you're, you're uh, free from being trapped on the island. And uh, with language learning, there's eventually a point you get to where uh, you'll be, you, you won't be able to just forget the language if you don't use it very often. Is it, am I? Yeah, once you get over the last break, then you're on free waters, on open waters, and then mm -hmm. it's much easier to stay afloat or to, to not be washed back into the island. Mm -hmm. But if, if, if you're halfway out, you're trying to get over the break, and then you stop swimming, you're going to get washed up on shore again. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. So let's say, let's say I'm learning French now, and then I don't use French for a couple of years. That's, I'm definitely not over the last break, so I'm just going to wash uh -huh. back, up, back up on that shore. And that's where you got to keep are you swimming. Gonna, are you going to wash back all the way up back so on the, shore? So here's, here's what I would add to that metaphor, personally. Uh -huh. Okay. When you try to swim out the second time, you're going to be a lot stronger. For sure. Like, yeah, got, absolutely. You, resistance you gotta, training, right? You got, you got a hell of a workout trying to swim out it's the like first time. like wearing a weighted vest. I'm just giving her a gift. Well, you're just stronger because you've been working out. Stronger. Exactly. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, it's, it's interesting whenever you just keep going at it and at it. And I find this, I have breakthroughs with my pronunciations, I have breakthroughs with my vocabulary recall, I have breakthroughs, and it just goes, all right, I don't remember it, the wave pushed me back, let's go through it again, be it, any part of these strategies. From my experience, so I learned German when I was in school, um, uh -huh. and then I took a hiatus for many years, mm -hmm. and I, like if you were to try to talk German with me, speak German with me a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been able to form a sentence. But when I, when I picked it back up again, like last year, it went really fast. It went right. really fast. Right. Yeah. Cause you've heard that phrase false beginner. Well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've yeah. always liked that one. Yeah. It's like, like you're not, I, like, I don't feel like you can ever go back. To, you know, if you learned it super well, you'll never go back to Mm -hmm. And that's, that's exactly what happened. I had the exact same experience with French because when I was in middle school, I took, like, uh, I, I took French as an option, but I didn't really learn much. But then when I went to this, so I've had, I've had three waves of French actually, because when I went to uh -huh. university, I started, uh, I took, I think two, two French classes and there were certain uh, words and grammar structures and whatever that I learned that I remembered from middle school that helped me in my university learning. And then I stopped for like probably four or five years. Mm -hmm. And then this year, again, I just recently started taking up French again. And so I had like those two foundations that I had already built. So when I started learning French again, like it just went, yeah, like my progress has been really fast and I was able to pick it up again, like super quickly. SOS, yes, mm -hmm. SOS. Yes, right, it's like your raft, you, you still have remnants of the raft. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, remnants of the raft. 
your arms yeah, are jacked. Still going up there. Like, <laughs> dude, I'll give you a super recent example. Ready to go, yeah. Like so, this so, weekend. Yeah, keep going. Okay, I'll, I'll give like an example. Like, I hit up a couple hours in the Ukrainian chat rooms, which were it was cool because it wasn't super busy like some of the other ones. Ukraine. It was probably like Ukraine. Um, yeah, so it was great because with Ukrainian speakers, for me, it's still like really hit or miss with the speakers. Some people I'm just like deer in the headlights still, and other people I'm like, wow, I'm understanding like a ton. But yeah, because it's been a bit of a wall. It's been like, and then tying us back to because Ukrainian now is three years ago, it was like a big, big deal for me. When I get my buddy Lee on the pod, we'll talk about like when I had my time there. But this really, like, that was a life chapter back then. And Ukrainians just been on the sideline, sitting there. Like I still listen to music here and there, but the waves definitely have pushed me back. I noticed that. Like, but it was super fun just to be like riffing in the chat rooms with some Ukrainian speakers and like stuff coming back. Right? It's like ah, like to get that raft up and going again. It's super fun, but it's just like you like these life. I was yes, her island metaphor great for the learning but what i found most profound about her like she got personal too right with her french story and the breakup she had yeah like like i think everyone can relate to it this. happens folks doing, it happens do, no no <laughs> but i'm just talking about if you've been doing this a long time 10 years and you've dabbled learned different languages certain ones resonate with certain time periods in your life and because if you're not keeping them going the whole time yeah like ukrainian for me is like a big phase i look back on now so is it like when you when you hear it again that brings you back yes oh yeah oh yeah, nice. exactly like you like i get in ukraine like oh man i remember like just being in the library plowing through stuff and it was fun because we can talk about slavic languages and like the cases in slavic languages and be like oh my god everyone like the cases were like so incomprehensible but then you got over that wave right and you were you were you were going yeah and then and then now it's like Oh, it's fun because if you, you got back in, if you got back into it again, you, like that false beginner, right? You'd just be, it'd be, it'd be clicking. But yes, like it brings back super fond memories. Being at the Polyglot Gathering while we're on this topic, because I was at the Polyglot Gathering in Bratislava, then I went to Krakow for a couple of days, and then I went to Lviv and met uh, my Ukrainian relatives there who only spoke Ukrainian. No so. mamas. Yeah, man. So then that's when my buddy Lee was there with me. So when, when Lee's on the pod, we'll get into all the adventures we have. Well, can't but wait. It's just like, we're just like, oh, like it just, yes, when you're speaking it, it does. It's, maybe it's like hearing an old song, right? Like, I hear punk music now because I don't listen to it as much. But like, it brings you back, like memory lane. Oh, for sure. For that's, sure. Right? So That's super interesting, man. And that's what she like. And then like she talked about like emotional states. Like ah, maybe I'm just not in the right emotional place. To yeah, that's a big thing like, too. A lot of people think it's oh, it's my strategies, it's my what I'm doing. No, it's but not that. It's emotional. It might be what's going on in your life. Yeah, but, and it's motivation. So when I started yeah. learning French, I just woke up mm. one day morning, one morning, and um, I remember texting you guys and being like, okay, guys, in five weeks. I'm going to be able to speak French. <laughs> I'm going to do it today. I'm going to start today. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm Thanks super pumped. I'm stoked. So it was just, I woke up one day and I had the motivation there and I just kept at it. Mm -hmm. what, what, what was motivating you? Like what was your fuel? I don't know. This? 
I don't know. It was, I okay. think, I don't even remember. It was probably something that triggered me. It was probably like a YouTube uh-huh. video I watched or maybe just sure? listening to you guys talk. I don't know. Oh, but, oh. but it was something yeah. I was, it just hit me. I was like, okay, I, I need to do this. Like I, I want to do this. I have to do this. And so I just got really pumped up about things. It was kind of like, it was kind of like when I registered, when I, when I told you guys that I was going to participate in the conference, I just got really excited about it. Yeah. But I, get, I get these periods. It, that was, yeah, man. I was like, I just remember sending you that pic. Yeah. yeah. Like, Dude, look at these language rooms. And then so, next thing you know, you guys. So that's the thing about me. Go. That's the thing about my, me personally. I get these impulses oh. of extreme motivation. It's good. <laughs> I get these periods of extreme motivation. And then I keep at it for a little bit. That, that sustains itself for, I don't know how long, not that long. But then mm-hmm. after a while, that goes away. And then I just have to rely on my discipline to keep it up. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know if we talked about this already, but like the whole idea of like motivation and, and discipline, because like, so many people think that um, not just with languages, but like just any kind of like goals that you have or any kind of thing that you want to do with your life that requires work. Um, so many people think like you just, you just need motivation and like, yeah, sure. You need motivation, but if you don't have discipline, like you're just, you're going to fail. Like you're going to give up because motivation is not sustainable, but discipline is certainly sustainable. And that's, that's going to be your safety net, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and there was a great talk. Was it today or yesterday? Was, okay, these hours are still kind of messing with me. Like, <laughs> but it was a lot about, uh, it was two people speaking. Uh, it was basically about life management doing this. Because yes, you're right, Koto. Like the motivation is, yeah, I want to learn this. Me, when I ended the last episode of the podcast, like my German motivation for me, it's going to teach in Germany in about three or four years on the of Deutsch. And so, yeah, there's the motivation. Okay. It's there. I can go tell the whole world that, but how are you going to like implement it? And there, the, uh, the one talk today, just, you have, everyone has 24 hours, right? Nobody gets, it's not like Cody gets 28 hours. Marcus gets 20 and I get 24. We all have 24 hours per day. Marcus, maybe even more with your new sleep schedule. With the new, the polyphasic sleep the schedule. The polyphasic folks. sleep, maybe intermittent that, sleeping. Like that's the new fa- that's the new trend. Yeah. So I thought that was great. Like, hey, we all get we all get the finite amount of time here, and like, how do we chunk it up? How do we manage this? How do we schedule it? And I think that's a lot of discipline. Like Cody, you sent us that. I thought it was pretty good. Wait, but what are you like, talking never, about? That schedule. Remember, Cody sent us a schedule a few weeks ago like when you were working on like you're like 9 a.m oh 9 30 yeah like (laughs) even that like yeah that's that's not a thing anymore (laughs) okay but even the idea the the fact that you attempted that kind of shows at least you saw the need for discipline yeah and like i i'm not following that specific schedule oh no no i know i was like Damn, when do you take a pee break, dude? <laughs> but I do, I do generally follow um, like uh, a regular schedule throughout, like every every week. I won't go through it right now because I don't want to. No, no, guys, for sure. <laughs> it's fairly regimented, though. You'd say. Yes. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's flexible, but I have like if I don't have any commitments with people, like there are set things that I do with my day. Right, and that's habit building, which is uh, yeah. Luca Lampriello, 
It's his final point. Luca. I love I loved how lots of the talks Luca. like Lydia's nine lessons, Luca's ten, Garrett Popkins four. We gotta talk about Garrett. I thought it was Gareth, sorry. Great speaker. Um, totally worth getting up for that. Um, but like ha- like build habits. How do you build a habit? I think having a regimented schedule, like I think COVID's thrown a lot of people off right now because work schedules aren't like totally normal when you're at home. But if I was teaching my nine to five job, I'm off at three twenty. Okay, I got a bit of time before I go to coach basketball practice. Maybe that's half hour. I can like knock out some German flashcards or something. Like when you, yeah, when you just have your normal work life, how do you work? How do you fill those times in? Like as a language learner, got like when I'm at the Walmart lineup, I'm never bored. Like or the doctor's office, I take out my phone, go through some Duolingo, go through some Memrise. I thought you were gonna that say. Is- I thought you were going to say when I'm in line to check out at the register, I practice my cereal box French. Oh, that's a Canada joke, folks. <laughs> yes. Everything here. Here, let's, let's do an example. To Jeffrey, to Jeffrey, my Timmy's mug. So everything whatever, is in English and whatever French. product everything. in Canada, you have no excuse not to be practicing your French at least or your English. If you're that's there. right coming from the other office but (laughs) that's why we like to say that we speak cereal box french yeah so every every canadian has the advantage of being able to speak like french that would appear on some kind of a product (laughs) that you would have in your house yes we will tell you ingredients and (laughs) slogans galore toujours frais we can cook you every meal in french may we (laughs) exactly um for example, here my Tropicana thing, lots of pulp. Uh-huh. Oui. Beaucoup de pulp. <laughs> Beaucoup de pulp. Beaucoup de pulp. Comment tu t'en juice en français? C'est le sucre? Qu'est-ce que c'est? Je ne sais pas. À vrai dire, je ne sais pas. Juice. Here we got, we got we Don. Got, oh, yeah. Juice. 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 All right, explain this. Cody, remember, we got audio listeners. So, so we got lemon essence scent. Parfum uh-huh. d'essence de citron. Ah. Wait, what is this again? What were you reading? Dawn. Uh, oh, the, the soap. Um, this soap, yeah. You know, if you mix Dawn and vinegar, it's like a deadly, uh, it can like take the stain out of anything. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's an, that's, an, that's an acid-based reaction for you, bud. Ooh, very, Marcus, the very, when we were watching that neuroscience talk today like Marcus is all over this. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my like, shit. Come on. Like, that's I was just shit. taking the, I was just taking the, the layman's point like i'm like all right get some sleep Whoa. that helps exercise yep pretty sure and then but to see like your uh synapse zoom in i'm like no man. oh that's so true <laughs> folks so the thing about sleeping is that it's very important so we're talking about about distributing your hours during the day so uh-huh. sleeping is very important because it's it's been scientifically proven that when you sleep you're you're actually stimulating uh synaptic connections uh-huh. uh, so you're creating more brain connections basically which makes i don't know if people can relate to this but if you study something at night and then you wake up in the morning you know it like automatically you go to bed and you're like oh i don't know this i'm gonna fail my test tomorrow but then you wake up and you're like whoa i remember everything. sleep is a, yes yeah. sleep is paramount yes I'm, I'm noticing this right now in the in my korean um war preparation me and cody's 
Korean battle. Like it's like, okay, if I get some good night's sleep, like that vocab will be clicking, right? Like it'll be. Like, and same like thing when you wake up in the morning. So, so me, I always do the most uh, demanding thing, the most cognitively demanding thing mm-hmm. in the morning when, it, when I wake up because I know right. that's when my brain is the most fresh. Yes. Fresh, yes, absolutely. Um, so, but overall, like that neuroscience, because I've, I've, I've always really like uh, recently with triathlons, doing lots of running, biking, swimming, like after, post-workout, doing language things, like your body is just so... It's gotten that energy out and like now you can just really focus. And I find that's, it's been great for language learning. I can sit down and I, I you find hear, You guys want to hear a killer routine that I've discovered? And this is like really helped me with my, with my Korean learning. Yeah, and like you just said, it like how it just gets everything out it. and just puts you in the zone. Those free so, I got it. Uh, the routine I've been doing lately, I think I'm going to stick with this as long as I can, because this just makes you feel like a god. So I get up in the morning and then I go exercise, whether it be like uh, like cardio or, well, there's no gym right now. So like just body weight exercises or uh, I'll do like martial arts workouts or something like that. And then I go um, and then I have a cold shower. Cold showers, man. Yes. Freezing cold shower. And like you, you need to breathe pro like you can't just go in and like just think like, oh, this is gonna be great. Like <laughs> you like it's it sucks and you, no, you need to it be able suck. to Yeah, you need to be able to breathe properly, so slow, deep, controlled breaths. And if you manage to learn how to do that, like the benefits from cold showers are endless. Mm-hmm. And then after uh, my shower, I do 15, about fifteen minutes of, of meditation. Mm-hmm. And then I go downstairs and I make breakfast. And then after breakfast, I clean up the dishes, brush my teeth, whatever. And then I'm ready for Korean. And I find mm-hmm. after that, like, I'm just in the zone. And then I can yes. just go for, like, the two zone. hours the zone. Like hardcore study. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. I really like, yeah, two things. A, that, that's building habits. And then B, like, uh, Marcus, you saw Lucas Lampiedo talked about mindfulness in even like focusing on what you're pronunciating because this was a lot of how you're pronunciating. Okay, so that's, that's something I want to talk about. I want to get into that. Yeah, because I was thinking the starting point, like even learning this Korean right now, it's like, okay, like even close my eyes, don't just brush through it. Like, all right, pass through the flashcard, blah, blah, blah. Like, like focusing more on that qualitative element of the language learning process instead of just quantitative like volume 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 like flashcard score like, so crazy but yeah, yeah mindfulness i think that is super important details uh-huh. that's what separates the men from the boys details <laughs> the tires the tires uh uh-huh. so pronunciation i think pronunciation uh-huh. is very important and that's that's big kind topic of a, big topic this weekend yeah. big topic so it's kind of controversial right because you have a lot of people saying, oh, be proud of your accent. Don't change. Yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. yada. You, whatever, right? Yeah. That's very common. You have a lot, hear a lot of people saying that. So you have a lot of people that don't really work on their pronunciation and their, their speaking mechanics at all. And they mm-hmm. kind of neglect that. And I think that's a mistake, personally. Mm-hmm. Because when I speak Spanish, for example, 
I put a lot of emphasis. I try really hard to learn the proper pronunciation. I think that is, that is something that I appreciate heavily with learning Spanish. And the cool thing about- You try really hard to be like, sound like a Colombian. Not, not just Colombian, man. Like right now I'm into to Argentina, el, el acento argentino. Asia, Asia. <laughs> like I, that's, that's what's so cool about Mexico. Spanish because you have all these countries and they have their own variants of Spanish, their own dialects, their own pronunciation. And it's just fascinating. So what I said before, languages, to me, it's all about connecting with people. It's not Correct. just like, can you write an essay? I, don't, I personally don't really care about that. I write too much in English as it is. Mm-hmm. No, it's about connecting with people. So when I meet someone from Argentina, I want to be able to pull out that Argentinian accent, man. Like that's that that'd be so cool for me. I'd be I'd I'd love doing all these different accents, man. Like Cubano, el acento cubano, por ejemplo. Oh yeah, no. That, and, <laughs> and Cody, you're laughing right now, but this is this is so true. No, it's big, and I think Luca Luca gave some great environmental points. What do I mean by that? I mean. I was noticing this a bit when I was doing a bit of like 15 minute dabbles earlier this year. Um, like he said, okay, how do I get into the linguistic zone? I like the word he used linguistic mood. I really like that. Um, like even just listening to some picking a random language, Turkish, you just go on Apple, Turkish music, pop essentials, whatever. You don't understand a thing. You just put that on. And you're just hearing like some Turkish sounds, get in that zone. It's like tuning a guitar, but you're tuning Turkish to your brain. Oh, I like right? that. That's, yeah, that's so cool. Maybe like you're that. maybe you uh, you're listening to some Argentina, like uh, oh, there's some, great, there's some great Argentine rock bands. Sorry, folks. Uh, La musica ligera, classical. That's a good. That's an Argentinian. Whoever sings that one. But yeah, man, just listening to uh, I don't know. You listen to that Barca, or you watch that. Barca documentary. Barca, right? like, Barcelona. Yeah, they, oh, yeah, but you're hearing Messi, right? Does Messi so, speak so. uh, Yeah, he's Argentina. Argentina. He's from Argentina, Argentina right? He's so, from Argentina. Maybe, you're, maybe you go on YouTube and you're like, Messi entrevista. And you just like listen to that. I find it that. fascinating. Uh-huh. So you get into that that linguistic mood. Like, just tune your environment. I really like that. Because that's super easy. You just, so this you brings us back. Listen. This brings us back to a point that I think Lydia made in her presentation. So uh-huh. she emphasize that languages learning languages is not a game of invention you're not trying to invent something you're trying to imitate well she also talked about decoding 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 and imitation that's yeah that's the way she put it and that that really resonated with me i like the idea of like decoding the language because that's essentially that's what it feels like when you're learning it isn't it oh yeah you're sherlock holmes to a certain extent for sure but that includes the accent to me, that includes the accent. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And actually, one thing about uh, just accents and pronunciation, one one thing that's really helped me um, just with, with pronunciation whenever I'm learning language is the idea of, like, thinking your, of yourself as an actor. And, like, you're, yes. you're, you're, you're taking on this new role. For sure. Oh, yeah. You're totally a fako. You're faking it. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're imitating someone. You're imitating an accent. You're imitating a lifestyle. You're imitating a nationality. And this brings us to the idea of like, I want to ask you guys about this. Like, uh, when you, when you speak a different language, you almost feel like a different person, don't you? Oh yeah, oh, hundred percent, man. Personalities, yeah. languages, like they've talked about this in lots of these talks. Like, 
Absolutely. And I don't see how you can't totally like, even when I, when we're at the meetup and we're talk we're talking in French and I go over to the Spanish table, like there's a different persona. I feel that I'm giving off that I'm also getting like, even from you guys when oh, you're in oh, the language. For sure. For like, sure. You're not the same person I'm talking to you, man. Like for sure. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's weird. It's like, we're polyglots meant to be like semi actors too. I love the Spanish version of myself. Let me tell you guys, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite oh, version of myself. For all you folks that don't know Spanish, Marcus, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool guy. He's definitely a character. He's Chevy. a character. He's a character. <laughs> yeah, if I, it's funny, like just thinking of yourself, because, like, I would say, like, for example, like when when I speak Chinese, like I'm much more direct than I am in English. Like right. I, I've said stuff in Chinese that have just that was like very, very direct, and I just like would not say to a person. And in German, oh man, I just, I love the, the German accent is like so much fun <laughs> to imitate. I just, honestly, if I had to get like say, it. if I had to, pardon? Yeah, you just get into it, right? Yeah, like I would have to say, but judging by like speaking alone, like which language is the most fun for me? Like I love German. It's just so much fun to speak. Yeah, German's fun. Yeah, and I noticed like even a teacher confession here, I teach Spanish and French. I'm a little more animated in Spanish, which is, I'm teaching French again next year. The big goal this summer is to get just as animated in my French. But it's different, right? Because it's, it's mm-hmm. a different persona. It's, it's, it's not just the language, it's like the culture as well. Yeah, and with, with French, you have to be careful because I'm going to like, <laughs> well, I mean, you guys were there. Remember when we read that meetup? And I was... In a while, I'm I, I'm not going through this anymore. But there was a phase I was going through with French, where I was like, whatever yeah. I was speaking, I just sounded like a huge like kind of douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple awkward moments there, folks. Not a big deal. Yeah, like like I would speak up, be like, oh, <laughs> I'm still a little bit like that because I think it's fun. Yeah, but we need to like not do that because uh, remember, like we were at that meetup and we 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 were doing that at the we were doing at the spanish meetup for some reason and that that woman from quebec was there and she got okay, like okay 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 <laughs> mad at us, so we're like, i don't know if you want to bring that up during the podcast yeah, yeah, dude. we love quebec <laughs> i'm wearing an expos hat we love quebec Gem, Gem, <laughs> quebec. Gem montreal langfest le quebecois oh yes yeah, speaking of langfest poly con- conference going online too boys this year so that's cool everything's gonna be but, online but speaking of just that personality, it's like part of uh, uh, when I'm teaching Spanish, the kids in the class get to, I let them choose a Spanish name. And then this semester also, they got to choose a Spanish last name as well, right? Because like, there's like very Hernandez and uh, Gutierrez. Like you can really get into the character with that. But shout out, I really enjoyed his talk this weekend too. Nacho Caballero. Oh, I missed that. No, no polyglot. No polyglot past, present, or future will have as awesome a name. That's <laughs> like, the I just best think name. of even with my students, like Nacho is super popular, but nobody picked the last name Caballero and was like, oh, <laughs> Nacho, yeah, man. Like, his, his talk was really cool too. Like, I do enjoy lots of the cultural aspects of these talks too. Like, his was between Spain and Mexican, it was just about beer names, which I found like super fascinating. <laughs> like, there was like, 20 different ways to order a drink in both of those 
Like, there's more Mexican names for beer than, like, Mexican brands of beer. I love Mexicans. I love Mexicans. Oh, man, it was great. I thought it was a great talk. Like, it was just, like, this little, like, that's a nice thing with these gatherings. Like, does Portuguese kind of sound like Russian? Well, let's go check that out. Let's hear that talk. It's, like, anything under the sun with languages, it's, like, people ponder things, right? Like, why is that? And that's the thing about Portuguese people talk about. It does sound like Russian, sort of. Why is that? So um, I caught a bit at the end of that one, like kind of working on the old Portuguese listening comp. So one of my favorite presentations was actually one of the latter ones uh or the later ones. The the, the Mexican girl who spoke in all those different languages. Oh, yeah. Who had the Pimsler, who had the Pimsler method. Uh, When she was so this lady from Mexico that spoke Uh fluent French, German, German. and Italian as well. And she was obviously and Spanish, obviously. And she was demonstrating her teaching methodology. Yeah. And her teaching methodology methodology was basically just going through the same phrases in different languages. Oh yeah. Is that safe to say? Oh, it's like, cause I think she's doing lots of great techniques that teachers with that comprehensible input just uh consistent dialogue and i think how she was showing that just between i think she showed all four just to like really show how it can be done and then there are the props that she had like emphasizing like the props added an extra element like that was a big thing i was noticing like that's actually because you oh the prompts were great the prompts were great like the prop like she had an actual suitcase she had the like that's extra reinforcement, right? That's like a visual reinforcement, like maleta. You're hearing maleta. You're seeing a suitcase. Like it's just mm-hmm. like that's actually like that's a huge thing in the language classroom because like, she wasn't mm-hmm. like being like oh maleta and putting it in a vocabulary. She was using it in like an active way. So yeah, no. And one of sure. the, one of the things I really liked about it was that she was teaching it from a French point of view. Mm-hmm. So if you're an English speaker that knows, let's say Spanish, like myself or French learning an additional language based on that that other language so let's say i learn french based on spanish Mm -hmm. that's that's also a great method because you're reinforcing spanish yes while learning french huge yes that also helps so you're not translating because you don't want to be translating in your brain you don't want to just be translating words you want to be you want to have the words pop in your brain uh randomly Mm -hmm. right Automatic or automatically, not randomly. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really yeah, bad. No, no, no. <laughs> automatically, <laughs> automatically. Yeah, Cody, have you done that with some of your like? Because I don't, even, I don't even know the order you learned your languages. Did you ever do that with learning German from French or? You know, I, I I've never been so hot on it. Okay, but yeah. I'm I'm starting to warm up to it. Yeah, like I find it's it's just a. It is a way to practice. Like, I think there's a good site, Mondly, my buddy Josh uses, where you're like, I speak French, I'm learning German, and you can get your materials okay. that way. Like, I think there's a few sites like that, but yeah, talking about like, that reinforcement element. Yeah, but I know? think my my biggest gripe was it with it was that um, mo- like almost all of the best language learning resources like are from English. True, true. There's a lot. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay, so a thing that people do with Duolingo is that, for example, they do Spanish to French, mm-hmm. right? So they learn French Correct. from Spanish, but then they go the other way as well. 
then they learn right. Spanish from French. Going the other way. So that's and, a great and, example of that. So I did that actually when I when I learned Spanish, I was I was playing around with Duolingo for a little bit, and I did not I did not uh, finish the whole du- Duolingo course because that takes forever. It does, but <laughs> but but I did I, I I went back and forth. So I learned English from Spanish, and I w- learned Spanish from English. You see how you can flip it? Oh, dude! And then also with Spanish Duolingo, if, there's a few courses exclusive to Spanish. Like for example, there's no English to Catalan. But there's Spanish to Catalan, so on Duolingo, hit, hit it. Yeah, just go to your tab, click "I speak Spanish," and then the Catalan course will pop up. Also, if you're into uh, indigenous languages, um, Latin America, um, uh, Guarani or Japori, I forget how you pronounce it in the actual language, but that's also an exclusive course to Spanish Duolingo. So it's just like you just expand your horizons even more sometimes if you're interested in dabbling or actually learning it wait do you guys want to talk about dabbling versus yes. focusing let's <laughs> do it i'm gonna throw it over to you buddy. dabbling let's talk about dabbling so um yeah I've, I've i've just never been into dabbling like i don't really care if i can say hello in 150 different languages <laughs> like that like that just to me that, that just like really doesn't matter i i so I know Marcus, you're gonna say that my, this is my perfectionism, but I would disagree with that because I know I've said before I've got like ten language goals, and sure, okay, that's a little bit of my OCD kicking in because ten is a nice number, but um, just the oh idea of like having a reasonable amount of languages that I can speak with fluency—that is what I want, like. When I when I learn a language, like I want to be fluent and I want to be uh, I want to be able to communicate with people and have deep and meaningful connections. I don't want to just I don't want to just screw around like learning how to say like oh like how are you like in, uh, in it's like, not screwing around. Different languages. It's not screwing around. <laughs> right. Ian, what's the counter it's argument not. for that? Okay, what's the counter argument? Okay, this weekend on my badge. Uh, like, did you guys fill up the online profile? Like, of course. what's your native language? Yeah, of course. So I did, like, I did, I, I did six on mine. Okay, I did English, native, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, Spanish, Nicaraguense. That was pretty awesome. How you choose? I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, you could spell the Los Volcanes, the Los Campos de Café de Nicaragua. Um, so I did that. Uh, French, Canadian, cereal box. Uh, uh, Ukrainian and German, I put as my B-ish ones, B1, B1ies. Um, and then Korean, Kodo, I put that. So, okay. um, so I put, those are my six like, on the badge, okay? But how many languages have I screwed around with? I like to say dabbled, just got interested in rabbit hold. Uh, like the internet itself is a rabbit hole, the language internet rabbit hole. So I go on a site like Memrise and dude, there's I like I, I one time I'm just getting super obsessive. I was like, okay, how many actual language courses of anything is online? So like like think about the most obscure language. Go on ethnolog ethnolog.com, try and find the like most obscure language. Do they have any type of language resource available? Do they have some kind of course available? Some kind of audio, like even circassian which i've learned about since last summer 
started like noticing circassian resources popping up here and there okay so what i like to do is like i just like to like click it add it to the bookmarks like i'm just like i just like stockpiling language resources because that's what i do like not it's i'm finding i'm just i'm just as much interested about these languages like talking about them what families are they and how are they related to other languages what's their history like like i'm an international relations major so it's part of like my scope when that to like little minorities within minorities of minorities like all that okay so that's just seeing the grand scope of the linguistic realities out there of the seven thousand languages currently on earth and then man dabbling see screwing around like for me it's like all right i'm gonna go uh what am i curious about today uh, malagasy in madagascar okay i'm gonna do 20 minutes today just on it Ooh, that's weird. Okay, like that's how that green sounds. Uh, hearing that, Ooh, like interesting. Would would I ever put Malagasy on my polyglot gathering <laughs> card? No, absolutely not. But the fact that I've like kind of like seen it, checked it out, been like, all right, like twenty million speakers. Like, how come this language doesn't get as much love as some other language that has twenty million speakers as well? And like that's part of my international. Like, I really like. I'm not so much like into the politics stuff nowadays, but like the cultures around the world and just seeing, okay, how do they interact? Like a big thing of uh, why Arabic, maybe I'll never learn Arabic, but why everyone's like, oh, like Swahili's got Arabic words. Turkish has Arabic, Persian's got Arabic. And oh, there was a great talk. Uh, sorry, everybody. I showed the program up in front of me about- I have uh, the program. The, I have the program right here. Okay, it was Brian, oh, it was, two, it, was, um, it was an early one but I was still pretty awake. It talked about like globalization, early globalization and how even when you think about like the Silk Road back in the day, you weren't just trading goods and spices. You were trading um, vocabulary with these words, right? Like, oh, what was that? Uh, it was, Do you remember the, it was yesterday like morning, yesterday morning before, before the nap. It was before, just after the nap. Uh, it was two. It's a guy named Brian from BC, and I'm forgetting the girl's name. Oh, okay, um, I got it. Wait, hold on. But hold on. it's just I love seeing these connections. How languages, like, uh, what's a couple examples they gave? T. So that was that was Brian Lu Soon. Lu Soon. Lu Soon. Hua. Right. Unlocking the hidden meanings of everyday Unlocked, words. Yes, correct. That was the name. Gracias, Marcus. Um, and. So uh, how globalization back in the day connected all these languages. So like, like the word chai right now in Hangul in Korean, it's chai. Is it in Mandarin chai? It's cha. Cha. What does that mean? Like how's my chai is tea. Oh, oh, you mean that? Okay. Got it. What is in Swedish? What is in Swedish, Marcus? Tea. 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 Yeah. Okay. So a little different. Tea. Tea. Maybe that's the Saxon. Part, but what is in te and in Spanish is te. I think it's te. te and, okay, and but Deutsch. in a lot of languages it's chai. Um, cha and even in, in Korean cha. it's it's cha. Cha, yeah, yeah exactly. But, yeah, but, but in the, the root, in, right? In, We're in talking the, about the roots, right? Things, but yeah. in the Romance languages it's te. Right. Okay. But and then even how chocolate, like they have those really cool charts. That's the beauty of these talks. You can go up and that was watch cool. them after. And like, so this is the expansion. So you see these interconnected, like no, le- <laughs> okay, I'm going to do an anti-island example. Like 
none of these languages are totally on an island in terms of how they've influenced each other and how they've rubbed off on like the historical takeover. Like fascinating in that talk was you, you kind of forget Sanskrit and Hindi languages. That was a big wave of the first Silk Road trades. And then after like Arabic and Islamic traders that came after, right? So it's like these layers of civilization and all of these traces, you want to talk about decoding Sherlock Holmes. If you're into like history and linguistic mysteries, language is going to leave me on a lifetime journey of like, of inquiries and puzzlements and just like trying to figure this stuff out because i even even if i can't speak that many languages i want to see the interconnections of them all i want to see like okay turkish is related through this way i want to see the paths of it all and with seven thousand languages on earth it's plenty of work and this is a particular interest that i just happen to have and that's that's cool like brian was pretty fascinating because i he speaks uh, did you catch the end of that talk, Mark? Like he speaks Urdu to... Oh, yeah. Like, just any connection. So going back to the dabbling part, so that's part of the interest. I, that might not even be a linguistic polygon interest. That's more of like a cultural historic interest that I just like seeing it. So like, yeah, my memorize tab, I've like Zulu to Aramaic, like everything. I just, just want to see it. I can definitely understand... Uh, I can sympathize with both of y'all. Okay. For example, I think it's super interesting just to go and explore a certain language. Like I've been dabbling in Italian a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. just to go in there and look at, look at the different, the similarities between uh, Italian, Spanish and French, for example, German, even all, yeah, this, all these romance. Cognate, cognate discounts. Exactly, man. So all these romance languages are very similar. So if you already know Spanish, French, like I'm, I'm certain that if I were to actually try to learn Italian, I'd pick it up within a couple months because it's so similar. It's so similar. Same thing with Portuguese. So I like, I like just dabbling in these, in these languages because, because it's, it's just interesting to to look at the similarities and kind of gauge how easy it would be to pick up. Gauging. Yeah. It's all about gauging. Uh, I have yet size to, it up, right? I have size yet to to find motivation to go and dabble in these obscure languages like, like right. Ar- Armenian. Armenian. I don't really have. I don't really have. <laughs> I don't really have motivation yeah. to go dabble in Armenian at the point. For sure. Uh, but but I'm I, I totally get both of your arguments, both of your point of views. Um, like but, I don't yeah. see it as a waste of time. If somebody that's not interested, for sure in not. That, then it's probably a waste, like waste of time. And yes, could I have spent all that time? Because the big thing, I was like, oh my God, if I would have kept my Ukrainian up the last three years, like I would be jiving in these chat rooms right now. But I've totally not done that the last three years. I've like wandered off, right? Yeah. So, but I don't, like, I don't mind that though. I like that talking about this being a hobby. I love just so that's, that, seeing elements. that's kind of a like problem knowing that i can identify a language like if i can't understand a word still being like oh that's greek that's still kind of a problem of being stationary like this and in a place that where you don't speak that language so let's say you're learning french for example you're in alberta not the best yeah. place to learn french <laughs> in canada probably and, okay, and that's but you gotta go dig you gotta be you gotta be a bit of a hunter then yes you gotta you be got a little to- bit of a hunter but if you really want to learn it and we've talked about this before on the pod you you kind of you got to immerse yourself yeah, bring in, it up. Uh-huh. In, in that language. But it was interesting because there was a talk here that I don't think you guys attended that I attended. Which one? It was by a guy who lived in Turkey but was from Germany. 
I don't Not remember his name right now, but he basically talked about, here it is. His name was Alexander Medjedovic, but he was German, but Not he lived in Turkey. Natural Turkey. But he, he, he talked about, or the, the title of his talk was, do you speak business? How languages can oh, or can't yeah. impact your career. And I thought that was really right. interesting because that's something I think about actively. Mm-hmm. So this guy was, oh, I don't remember what he did, but he didn't work directly with languages. But right. he lived in Turkey and he got the job in Turkey without speaking Turkish. But the guy, his boss basically told him, okay, in order to get this job, you're going to have to learn Turkish. But he was already a polyglot. So he was like, okay, I know how to yeah. do this. Not a big I got deal. Yes. Yeah, so, so he was able to pick it up fairly uh, quickly. Uh-huh. But, but that's also an interesting thing. So he, he, he went into that. So, so if you're a person that doesn't have language, so it's rare to have languages as your job. So you guys are fairly unique. So I, I don't have that, right? So what right. I have to do is to immerse myself in, in a setting where I can use languages professionally. And I can do that right now in English because I'm in Canada and the, the universal language of science and engineering is, uh-huh. is English. Correct. But I kind of, you know, like I feel like in order, I feel like, so the big thing about going to Barcelona, so for all the listeners, I'm supposed to go to Barcelona in September, but Pinche, Cor- Pinche Corona might uh, <laughs> put, a, put a stop to that. Yeah. Which, so fingers crossed, but I think it's going to happen anyway. It might, might just be delayed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but so like what I have to do when, and when I organize my life is to try to look for these professional opportunities abroad in order. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just going to Barcelona to, look, to, to, <laughs> to work on my Spanish and my Catalan. I'm going because it's yeah. actually really good for me, for my, my profession. Right. But, but it's, it's a byproduct. And it's, it's byproduct. A, That's the word. Doesn't it's a byproduct, right? And it's, it's an opportunity for me to, to, to do both. Pro- yeah. b- both develop myself professionally and develop my, my linguistic abilities as well. Like, and, I know you said science is just, sorry, one, like you said, sciences are the, in English internationally, like, could you ever go to Germany, say? And do oh, hundred percent. For sure. For sure. But what he also France said is and that, French. Cause yeah, yeah. But what this guy said is that, cause a lot of people say, okay, I can't go work over there cause I don't know the language, yada, yada, yada. I know I have to know the language in order to go to work in order yeah. to go and work in a place. So he kind of debunked that myth and said that if you actually talk to employers, they're not going to really care about if you speak the local language or not. They're more going to look at your technical skills mm-hmm. and they more have the, the attitude that if you're good enough for this position, you're, you're going to have to, like, if you're, if you're, if you're technically savvy enough to, to do this, if you're, if you have the right skills, then you're going to be able to pick up the language anyway. So they don't even look for that. Yeah, and just, I'll tie that to the because uh, I don't think you stay for the whole thing. I watched the, the foreign diplomat guy. I watched that too. Yeah, and he what he brought up at the end too is actually the Dutch guy. Uh, no, was he no no Polish? Oh no, the, the, no no the really? Polish guy the poli the Polish guy in, in in Tel Aviv, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, um, and he talked about even like how your top diplomats say don't know the local language. Say like it's more important they have the skill set of negotiating mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. experience right like that's that accrues more credential than say like yeah i'm c2 mandarin but i don't know like any of the geopolitics of this place yeah. um but that said though like they always talked about with him how uh, um there's a big shift to public diplomacy they're calling it now like what you consider the foreign 
the modern diplomats not the same thing as it maybe you see in the movies or like reading about in history. It's a lot about engaging with public organizations, uh, like different companies, and how like it's not like they would ever view him the dip, top diplomat knowing Chinese as a deficit. Of course not. It would be like an absolute bonus if if they have these language skills on top of their skills that they already have. Yeah, it's right? a bonus like, exactly. Right, because then he'll like you can read the daily newspaper. You can kind of get a feel for what's happening on the streets and like the. Um, oh man, this connects to another idea. That, uh, I don't think you got Judith Meyer. We gave a talk about political language in different countries. So like, yeah, say you're a diplomat in Greece. She was talking about like Greek terms five years ago when there's lots of the like economic uh, Euro crisis happening in Greek and how like certain terms in Greek. Or like very specific to that language. So if you were a diplomat in Greek, knowing Greek to like tuning in to the society that you're working in, that that awareness is big. So like, okay, like Cody, when you were in China, were there certain concepts or things in the news that came up that you were digesting through your Chinese that would never you'd never see like in a newspaper or anything out here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like, it's, it's especially a place like China because they've got all their own social media, right? Like they don't use, um, they don't use all, any of the Western social media. Right. right? There's like right. there's no Facebook, um, WhatsApp, or uh, Twitter, Instagram, right. anything like that. Like they've they've got their own versions of all of that. Right. And they, it's funny because they've got like in, in China, it's really interesting because they've got like their own internet culture and they've got their own memes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Correct. So it was, um, it was really interesting to, to see that. Right. Cause that's going to make a big part of your daily interactions on. Yeah. Yeah. Media. And when, yeah. And when you're immersed in that, like, and especially if you speak the language, like you can just, you can uh, connect to the people on, on, uh, on a different level that uh, other people wouldn't be able to. Right. Right which is yeah. whether you're doing this for social reasons or a job connecting, right? Connecting with people. It's all mm-hmm. about, it's all about that. All about, all about those connections. Right. Yeah, man. And that's also, so one of the presenters brought this up as well. So if you meet someone, you're not going to hand over, if you're trying to connect with someone, you're not going to go and hand over an essay that you wrote in that language. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, okay, writing skills are important or whatever, but if yeah. you meet someone and you're trying to connect, you got to know how to, how to verbally communicate, man. Uh-huh. You got to hone your verbal communication skills. Well, this... that's, that's, why, that's what I, I'm all about this, guys. I'm all about the, the oral component of a lot of languages. I kind of prioritize it. Uh, I know it's important to have a balance between the written and, and the verbal and the oral components but but i I try i tend to to favor the latter when it comes to because i i do so much reading and writing in english as it is and i i'm a big fan of of like the 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 reason why i love languages is to connect with people and when you're traveling especially and you know uh, going to the meetups or whatever that's that's what i really enjoy so i tend to favor oral communication when it comes to foreign languages like this can we get into gareth's talk because what that's that where again? he talked he talked about the four skills um yeah, reading, let's get into that. writing listening and reading so 
I love I I look forward to Garrus talks. He's probably right up there with Richard every year, even when I'm waiting for these polyglot gatherings. British guy, right? British guy, yeah. I met him in Bratislava. Awesome guy. Um I really like how he broke down those skills. And so I like your guys' feedback on this. Is like he talked about speaking, right? Like speaking's the sexy skill in language learning, right? Like 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 you said, how many how many poly uh youtube polyglots put up their spanish essays on youtube and like, uh, like yeah that's what i'm saying oh my escritura like <laughs> yeah me oh man it's like you're flowing you're like, that's like talking about those videos that people made back in the day that still make like oh, i'm like dibbly dabbling in these eight languages here and yeah yeah for sure so he like that skill so marcus you're talking about like socially connecting with people so that yes that's what i'm all this, about guys Right. So like that would be a skill that and it's like top priority for, for you, right? It's like the like that we need to do that. And then to me, like so he his getting your feedback on your pronunciation, which is what Luca, his talk was all about pronunciation, right? And the intonations of how you're speaking. So that's big. But then the what do you guys like the interconnect, where like what Gareth's talk is the because you did like the matrix. Like, uh, so, um, for example, your receptive ones, so uh, listening and reading, those are your receptive skills that are happening, and your productive ones are writing and speaking. Like the yeah, input output versus input. Between, or input correct. versus yeah. output. Yeah, and I just like how we put receptive and productive. So just getting that feedback, and but then how you can use the other skills to enhance. Like, what do you guys think uh, he called reading? It was like the turbocharge skill like and i think that's true especially like say you get to like a b1-ish level when you can start reading newspapers in spanish french german like i find vocab acquisition goes through the roof once you have a working reading knowledge in a language so what's your guys experience yeah for me that's like reading for me is is crucial when, when i'm learning language because i'm a very i think i mentioned this before but i'm a very visual visual eh, sorry <laughs> visual based learner. Yeah. So um, if, if somebody tells me a new word, just mm -hmm. verbally, it's in one ear or the other. But if I see right. that written word, like that will just, that just mm -hmm. sticks right in my brain. So um, whenever, and even, even I even do this when I'm watching uh, YouTube or Netflix, like I always have the subtitles on. And right. I, I don't know how people might feel about that, but for me personally, it just, it works so much better because like if I, I also have kind of bad hearing too. So right. if what? I don't hear, yeah. <laughs> it's so, like an aid though. Right? Pardon? It's like an aid. Like when I watch Casa de Papel in Spanish, I put Spanish subtitles on. It's like, yeah, yeah. My, my Spanish listening, I can't, I don't know like the jerga. Yeah, exactly. I want to see so it like, written. I want to see yeah, it written. when when you're when you're watching something like that, it helps for me personally. It helps so much to have the subtitles on because, yeah, you're right. Like you don't know everything they're saying, and like because you, you're naturally like you you have a handicap, and it, it it's okay to accept that. Like if you need to put the subtitles on, like that, it helps a lot. So. Absolutely, I am a big fan of. Uh, so I don't. You guys didn't intend this talk, but the reading listening method. I think oh, yeah, I caught the end of it. How like how. Explain yeah, it was it. good. I didn't get because like because I I didn't see the first part. I didn't know what it was all about. 
Well, essentially, when it comes down to it, like when you when you combine reading with listening, like it's just it, they just build on each other, right? So, like if you, if you don't catch thing, if you don't catch something uh, when you're listening, like you'll you'll catch it when you're reading, and vice versa, and uh-huh. they just they just compound on each other essentially. So, um, what was the idea? You had like your text and your audio are the same language, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I've done a bit of like. All right, I'll bring it up one more time. Don Quixote, like, because it's an old, it's all free domain now because it's like 100 some years old, 400, whatever. Um, <laughs> like, it's on YouTube, right? So you can, like, click YouTube play audiobook and then I can read along with Don Quixote. So is that what he's talking about then? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. But, so you're, but, you're listening and reading. Yeah. The one thing I didn't really like about that talk though to be completely honest was like um and he 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 said it like it wasn't a big deal if he couldn't do this but he was saying like the reading listening method especially with an audiobook it works the best if you do like eight to twelve hour sessions and i was sitting there was like who has that sort of time? Like, <laughs> but he was saying, like, he was saying that's he was saying that's ideal. But um, if you can do three to four hours, that's the minimum. He was saying, like, he's saying anything less than three hours is not worth it to do. So okay. I don't know. I would just. I think like if you put in like anything over an hour even doing that like you'll still find benefits from that like and plus like just realistically like who's got more than yeah, i'm just curious i'm curious to just I ask you guys that, right? i'm just curious now uh what's your longest session you've ever had with a language on a given day like have you ever done that like kodo i know you go to the meetups and like four hours yeah. eight hours straight i'm, t- I'm talking about, like one language their like longest workout usually maybe even just solitary workout. i mean I, I can talk to that when i was in colombia for example I, it was 24 7. No, no okay i'm talking about self being alone i'm talking about self-study your longest oh, not that long not that long i think when i probably when i was in high school there was most likely a day on on the weekend where i was just going at it all day because like yeah. in high school i would do things like that it's been like a theme throughout my life too. I get like in these obsessive phases about things. And I guess maybe languages is, is one of them that I'm in right now. But, <laughs> but oh, yeah. um, when yeah, I was yeah. when I was in high school, um, it was very I could just do things for an entire day. So I probably spent an entire day just like studying German. Oh yeah, like, I remember right before I went to Bratislava three years ago, I was like, all right, I'm I'm gonna I'm doing Slovak. Like I got the Ukrainian. That's gonna be my anchor language to to get slow. I remember just like, it didn't work, but I like, I tried. I just a couple of weekends, like the entire Saturday is probably like eight hours, just like flashcards and reading and videos and Slovak. Like, I'm going to speak Slovak when I set foot in Bratislava. <laughs> <laughs> like, happen. But, but I like the fact that, cause I don't know, even eight hours of exercise, I'd be like, no mamas, like <laughs> uh, it's not happening. Mamas. But I'll yeah. sit, I'll sit, like, do two hours of flashcards, two hours of reading, watch some YouTube. Like, I think maybe polyglots maybe haven't, because, yeah, I agree, eight to ten hours with life, like, with Korean right now, it's like, yeah, it's ideal, but 
no, like I need a brain break. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Mm. Um, you need that sleep, man. Sleep, sleep. Synaptic connections. <laughs> Synap- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I connect them synapses. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's. Okay, the talks. Definitely. Let's go back to the. the I want to talk to you guys about the atmosphere of the gathering. And it wasn't real life, it was still. Yeah. But to me, I don't know, man, I love the frenzy of it, like the Telegram app, there's messages coming at you, and all of a sudden, like, the different groups had messages going, uh, the chat rooms were filling, we got our own Zooms going, uh, talking to people, like, it was great, we got, I shared our podcasts, and you get, like, Mark's on the Telegram, too, like, I love the uh, collaboration, like, even in the Ukrainian chat room, I got, like, three new ukrainian podcast recommendations i had never heard yeah, of yeah and it was just gracias uh the chat room connecting with people so that atmosphere yes it was not real life but i still think the organizers did a heck of a job like uh reinventing it as much as possible online i thought it was great yeah i'd agree with you 100 percent. yeah they the the organizers did a fantastic job that being said though um yeah, it's um, all I'm gonna say is that I'll, I'm definitely looking forward to doing it in yeah, real life, for sure. Because it's it's not that's and it's absolutely not the fault of the organizer. Like, obviously, there's nothing they could do, and they did a like you said, they did a fantastic job of trying to recreate the the experience. But just online is not an adequate replacement for real life face to face interaction with people. Yeah. No. no, but it's so amazing that we're able to do this. Oh, the the fact that we're able to do this is incredible. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's it's something to definitely be grateful for. Yeah, yeah. and I just wanted to try to get as much of as a an authentic experience as possible by getting up in the morning like that. I thought it was really fun, and I thought it was really fun how we actually interacted in the chat rooms and and had our own conversations oh, yeah, and the Zoom conferences and all that. Chat room. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, like, yeah. we had a couple Europeans over as well. In the beginning, I think, was that Friday night or Friday afternoon? Those folks yeah. from, from uh, uh, yeah. Britain. Shout out to our friend that we met, uh, Christoph, El Polaco. El Polaco. Uh, Polish guy who sent us some Polish recommendations, or music recommendations, because this is supposed to be happening in Poland, so the music for this pod coming from Poland um that that was cool um yeah the uh Lebov, i think her name was in russia oh the russian girl yeah man and spanish, she had man. She, people love spanish. she had a fantastic spanish castellano acento oh, yeah, acento man. castellano spanish yeah. accent and she never went to spain ever she'd never been to spain that's what i mean right like you can recreate that's impressive folks now. that's impressive like these virtual environments. So That's very impressive. Um, yeah, man, it's you're right. It's not the real thing, but damn, I still had a blast. Like I thought it was fun to recapture it. So um, just uh, I I don't even know. I'd recommend if you didn't. I don't know if this is an option still. Say you didn't sign up for it, like you didn't participate this weekend. But if you still register, like post polyglot gathering that um 
Maybe you can get, get access, access to those. I don't know. Yeah, maybe That's a good question to ask the organizers. But they're the videos are gonna the presentations are gonna come up on YouTube anyway. Eventually, eventually. they eventually come out. But it's really cool. They're all available right now. Yeah. So like I know what I'm doing the next month because they're I think they're available on that site till the till the end of June. So yeah. All these ones you guys touched on, uh, I'm, that's going to be my evening entertainment. So this, this notebook's still going to get filled. So uh, I'm glad, man. It's cool, No, man. it was a blast. Oh, I was stoked when you guys were like, yeah, we're coming. Like, no, I just got really excited go. about it. I think I woke up. I had one of those, those impulses again. I just woke up one morning. <laughs> I was like, hey, I got I to gotta participate in that poly gathering conference. Yeah. Oh, gathering. there's no way we... Um, like this is such a great opportunity. We, we, we would have been ridiculous to, to miss out on this, right? Yeah. Super fun. So, so I, th- I thought it was fun and I can't wait till, till we get to do it in real, in real life. In real person. life. Super excited fantastic. for that. So I, I think the Polyglot conference and Langfest is going to be online too. So round two of this in October could be fun, but yeah, we'll be back face to face, cara cara, real life be it Poland or Mexico or wherever. Like there's lots of these events popping up. Like Edinburgh just had one. It's new. Like that's different. So man, that's not who, who's to say we might get something going Cowtown, Calgary. Cowtown, baby. Like, like a regional one. Like Le- I don't know. Let's get inspired. I get inspired. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. That's the energy. biggest thing. The biggest thing is being being getting all that inspiration from all all the yeah, all the man. people there that speak. It's great. So so, so many languages fluently. It's quite, absolutely quite amazing. Tokipona. What's it called? Tokipana? Tokipono? Tokipona, yeah. I, I have no idea even what that is, but what is that? Uh, it's it's a language. language. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Apparently even easier than Esperanto. Oh. So I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a romance kind of guy. Romantic, romantic kind of guy. I'm a romantic guy. Italiano. 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 Un po' italiano. Um, cool, guys. Well, any final thoughts? Any send-offs for Marcus? You're off to Toronto? Toronto? I'm, I'm, I'm off to Toronto tomorrow. And that, D- by D- the D- way, D- that was a funny thing. So one of the presentations talked about pronunciation and pronouncing uh-huh. the T, uh-huh. the, the, the letter T in English, and how there's five, six different pronunciations of that letter. And one of the different distinctive pronunciations were the Toronto T, the Toronto oh, T. Wow. So the, the, the city of Toronto, you could either choose mm-hmm. to include the T or not the second T. A lot of people say mm. Toronto, Toronto, mm-hmm. but a lot of people actually say a lot of locals say Toronto as well. Toronto, Toronto. Like people in Toronto. In Toronto, say Toronto. What did I just say? Toronto. I, I said Toronto. Toronto. Look, I say Toronto. So generally in English, you use the the little t. The little t is the second t in a word, and you kind of dampen it. You don't really pronounce it. So um, yeah, like the tennis correct. t, like the tennis, tennis, tennis. Right, you're kind of tennis. You're 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 kind of spitting it out. You're spitting out the t, right? But the let's say if you're if you're saying like if you have if you have the letter t in the middle of a word like metal. You don't really you you pronounce it differently. I listen to metal music. You kind of tap the t. Off uh, of the word or whatever. Yeah. I listen to metal. Yeah, no, no one says I listen to metal music. Yeah, you metal. don't say that. You don't say that. And that's a big, a big thing that a lot of people that speak English as their second language they they pronounce all T's the same, 
they all uh-huh. they use the tennis t all the time gotcha. so for example italians they always say but <laughs> that was like one of the examples <laughs> that was that was like one of the examples that the, that the presenter brought up so but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, another so, one just uh just to add quickly is like sometimes you'll drop sometimes we'll drop uh vowels when they come before r like for example mm-hmm. our city calgary like no, like if you're Calgary. from Calgary, you Calgary. say Calgary. Calgary. You don't say Calgary or Calgary. No. Calgary. No. You yeah, Calgary. Push it together. Calgary. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's Calgary. little things, little details. I'm all about the details, guys. I've made it yeah. evident before. Ooh. I'm I'm all about it. So yeah, I'm going to Toronto oh. tomorrow. Yeah, man. Uh, so I'll see you guys in a week, Good. and then when we get back, yes. we're We'll have another episode of the pod and we'll have some more fun things going on and fun things, Korean. So the Korean war is coming up. So So, uh, stay tuned for that. You ready? Uh, What do we got? Oh, it's still May. Still May for a couple more hours. And then once June hits here, I'll be like, oh, it's on. on." Game time. Game Game time. time. Game face. All right, folks. uh, All right. Um, Everyone probably got gathering. Well, everyone that hasn't been to it, come aboard. We love you. Love you. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Let's ammo. Ciao. Ciao.